Hey, thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope that you'll be able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope that this message will be an inspiration to you and that you'll find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Power of the words. Let's read James 1, 19 and 20, and then we'll pray. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man, that means all you ladies, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man, every woman be swift to hear, slow to speak. God help. We should pray right there, shouldn't we? Slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Slow to speak. One of the attributes of a person with the gift of exhortation is they can be opinionated. I'm not saying that applies to me, but anyway, that's what they say, all right? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for helping all of us. You have a lot to say to us about our words, the power thereof, God, how we say things, when we say things, God, help us. We desperately need your help. Your word tells us we can't in ourselves control the tongue. So, Lord, we're asking you tonight for all those online and everyone here, help us all to control the words of our mouth and to give glory to you through all of our words. In Jesus' name, amen. Slow to speak produces slow to wrath. Fast to speak produces fast to wrath. So that's a, certainly an a understanding that comes out of that verse. Wrath. Wrath can be produced through how we hear and how we speak and the speed of how we speak. Words can cause great emotion in our lives. Some of you, no doubt, have had some people speak to you in your life, and the way they spoke to you created great emotion. And for some of you, and maybe most of us, we've had people speak to us and it caused wrath in our lives uh, toward them, toward their attitude, toward what they said. Now, some of you have asked, uh, just recently someone said, how was your surgery? And I said, hadn't had it yet. Uh, so uh, a couple of weeks ago I announced that, or last week, whenever it was, I said that I was going to have a procedure and uh, it's coming up hopefully sooner than later. It'll be on May the 7th, but there's nothing to worry about. Just say a prayer if you think of it, and uh, then when it's over, it'll be over, and uh, it's outpatient, so it's not a big deal, but just in case I don't make it, all right? So anyway, um, just in case, um, come to my service, all right? I'm kidding, all right? I'm going to make it. James chapter 3, verse 2, 
for we all stumble in many ways or many things. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect or mature man, able also to bridle the whole body. I love, 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 love the book of James. It talks so much about the tongue, our words, uh, its impact on our life, uh, its impact on other people's lives. And uh, this, I'm not perfect in it. There's so many areas and regarding words that I could use uh, improvement and prayer. Yeah, if you want to pray some for something, pray for that, all right? But uh, I try my best when it comes to the words coming out of my mouth to be truthful and to not say anything that is not true. And I've told my family, uh, even when it comes to birthdays, and people try to surprise people, and so they tell them a little white lie. Uh, Newsflash, there is no such thing as a little white lie, all right? So a lie is a lie is a lie, and the Bible strongly condemns the practice of lying. Is that news to you, or you will know that already, all right? So we do not use our words to say something that is a lie, even if we're trying to surprise somebody at their birthday. There's always, if you don't know how to do it, what to say, the Bible says, if you don't have wisdom, ask God. He will give you wisdom, all right? So that you can respond in that situation with the words of your mouth and and uh, uh, camouflage the birthday and yet don't speak evil words or li- words of lies out of your mouth. Again, I'm gonna say it. There's no such thing as a little white lie. Those little white lies grows into big lies, all right? So little baby Gib grows up, all right? And then consumes us and we find ourselves uh, venturing into territory with our mouth, with our words, that people then call us a liar. Now, maybe in your past life, before you came to Christ, you were known as someone who didn't tell the truth. Uh, Maybe you, before Christ, people didn't believe you. They they even maybe said, I can't believe a thing you say. And uh, it is interesting. Um, I've been around people before, and they're talking to you, well, let me just ask you, have you ever been around somebody when you're talking to them and you know they're lying? Ooh, it's like, do I tell them, I don't believe you? Or, you know, they're looking so serious, they're telling this story, and you're like, I know they're lying. And what am I gonna do about it? Am I gonna sit here and listen to this silly lie and act like it's, you know, respond like I know it's true when I already know it's a lie? And uh, one young man years ago in my youth group, we're driving down the road and he pulled that one on me and uh, started telling me this wild story that I knew was not true. And finally, I'm like, I had to stop him because it was just grating on me that he thinks I'm some kind of fool that's going to listen to his lie. And uh, I'm not interested in hearing someone's lie. And neither am I interested in speaking lies. So if you're an admin and the boss says, tell him I'm not here, what are you going to do? 
You said, I was just obeying the boss. No, you're going to ask for wisdom and you're going to come up with a plan to respond. The boss doesn't want them to know he's here or she's here. So you come up with a formula by the wisdom of God that conveys or doesn't convey to that person they're here, but you do it in such a way you're not telling an untruth. All right, so all of us have stumbled in many ways, but when we perfect the lack of stumbling of our words, uh, we can be declared a mature person. God help us all. Hopefully we'll all get there one day. We must ask forgiveness for every offense of the tongue. Um, if you have said things to others that wasn't true, you lied to someone, and oh, stop right there, folks. Stop right there. Okay, how many of us have ever promised someone something and we did not deliver? Um, when I first got, we first got married, um, Alice and I first got married, and um, one day I said to her, uh, I was going to the church. We had an apartment down on University Boulevard, and I was going to the church there on Goldenrod, and I said, I will be back in a few minutes. And she said to me, no, you won't. And I looked at her, how dare you challenge my authority as your new husband, and I'm the youth pastor. No, I didn't say that. I looked at her like, you know something? You're right. I won't. <laughs> I'm not coming back in a few minutes. But it stunned me that she didn't believe me. Uh, what I said was not true. It was not going to be a few minutes, a few. Some of you don't know what a few minutes is. That's the problem, all right? You think a few minutes is an hour and a half. I'll be ready in a minute. Yeah, right. Okay, so don't say things like that. Obviously, and, and you're saying right now in your mind, that's just a saying. Yes, it's just a lying saying so that you are saying it. I'll be there in a minute. No, you won't. And so lovingly, those people we are in relationship with, we probably should do to them exactly like Alice did to me. No, you won't. Now, she was kind about it. She didn't say, look at me with a mean face and say, no, you won't. Oh, well. There would have been trouble in the, in the household if that had happened, but she stunned me with her kind response. No, you won't. You're calling me a liar? Well, good, because I am one. All right, so, uh, so ask forgiveness of any and every offense that you've done, and be careful about promising things. Here is why you always need to say, it's what James said to us. Oh my goodness, I should have put this in the notes. It's what James said. Don't say we're going to go into such a city and do this or that. No, say the Lord, what? Willing, the Lord willing. Or I'm planning to be there in 20 minutes. All right? I'm planning to, but if I don't make it, uh, go ahead and uh, serve me, uh, save me a table and uh, order me water and, and uh, appetizer or whatever. But use your words carefully. Don't say things that are not true. Don't say, they're sometimes out of your, out of your uh, ability to respond. So you, that's why you say, 
I'm going to, I'll plan to be there. Lord willing, I'll be there. So anyway, if you have failed to fulfill promises, then try your best to fulfill past promises and carefully consider new promises, all right? Well, let's go ahead and read Matthew chapter 5, 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. In other words, when you say you're going to do something, God expects you to do it. All right, now we're going to talk about how to stop a bad report. How to stop a bad report. In Matthew, I, this is great. Um, this, is, this needs to be re-emphasized in um, church on an ongoing basis, all right? Because this is needed in every church, and all of us need to be striving toward this. All right, Matthew 18, how to stop a bad report. This is a challenge, all right? And it says, moreover, if your brother or sister sins against you, you're offended by something they do, they do you wrong, go and tell them their fault between you and him or her alone. If they hear you, you have gained your brother. Let me just put it in the language it is. But if he will not hear, okay, so first of all, let's back up, stop right there in verse 15. How many of you have ever been sinned against by a brother or sister in the Lord? Anybody here? Let me see your hand. Think about it. Uh, don't point to them, but just raise your hand, all right? All right, so you are sitting there and you're like, yeah, yeah, I know somebody sinned against me. So you, they sinned against you. So what are you going to do? What do you do? Here, unfortunately, is what we have done too many times. When somebody sins against us, we don't do what the Word says. We don't go to them. We go to somebody else. And we tell somebody else, which does no good. Because when somebody sins against you, no doubt there's an offense there and you are supposed to, as a brother or sister, go to them. But if you don't, you go to somebody else and you tell them and you're hurt and you tell them and they love you. You're in relationship with them. They're a friend, they're family member, they're spouse. So you tell them and then all of a sudden they become offended at that person. And then that person, guess what they do? They go tell somebody else. And can you believe he did that? And so then that person becomes offended at that person. Now catch this. If you're not careful, and the devil loves this, he will spread that as far and wide as he can so that there are 15 people mad at that one. And this guy over here maybe doesn't even know. And finally, they get together one day, and the person finally says, well, you know, you hurt me. Really? I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And the person says, okay, I forgive you. They hug. They cry together. Thank you for forgiving me, the person says. And everything is perfect 
here. And one day this guy is driving down the road and one of those 15 pull up next to him and look over at him. Yeah, there he is right there. And they feel this ill will toward them. And uh, they don't know that everything has been made right. They don't know. So how in the world are, is this person going to make it right here? Don't you understand? It's easier to make this right than to go and try to find out who talked to who in the last 30 days and run down 15 or 20 people and say, hey, 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 don't be upset at that person. He, he asked my forgiveness. We made up. Did you tell anybody? Well, yeah, I told three people. Who? Give me their name. You could never do it. And so, my God, how many of you believe God has a better plan than we do in every situation in life? So moreover, if your brother, sister sins against you, go and tell them their fault or his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. You have gained your brother. Now listen, well, we'll get to it. But he, if he will not hear you, Take with you, if you go to him and you go to him in humility, you go to him in brokenness and you say, hey, you, you really hurt me by what you did. And the person says, so, you, were, you, you caused me to do that. And the, you're like, what? I didn't cause you to do that. And the person doesn't respond scripturally. He's not interested or she's not interested in reconciliation. What are you going to do? Well, the Bible tells you, do this. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more. Not with ammunition or anything else, all right? Uh, you take with them two people, hopefully, that knows this person. You go to them in love, brokenness. You have prayed ahead of time. You don't take this lightly. Your attempt is not to get them to ask your forgiveness, your attempt is reconciliation. It's not as important in the end who was the major cause of the offense. In the end, the important thing is reconciliation. That is most important of all. But if we, he will not hear, take one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word will be established. And if he refuses to hear them, Tell it to the church. The implication is church leadership because I don't want you to read that and think, oh, they rejected me. They didn't hear me when I took two other people. Okay, I'm gonna be in the lobby this Sunday and uh, the Bible says tell the church. Everybody listen to me. I wanna tell you what so-and-so did to me. No, you go to church leadership, you share with them, not for the purpose of revealing somebody's wrong, but for the purpose of reconciliation. Number one, if your brother, genuine test of discipleship, if we have love, we will go to our brother. Say amen with me, all right? If we really love someone, we'll go to them. Number two, they sin against you. Sin, miss the mark. Everybody's going to miss the mark from time to time. Number three, go to him. Going is the hardest part. 
and will always be God's greatest test of love when we go to someone, because listen, I've discovered over many years, I've discovered hardly anybody loves doing that. Hardly anybody loves saying, yes, I'll go to him, I'll talk to him, and uh, I'll share with him, you know, that the sin and, and brokenness and try to get him to repent and ask forgiveness and make everything right. That is the hardest part. Nobody likes to go to somebody. We don't know because part of it is we don't know if, if they'll say, well, you were the one mostly wrong or if they don't receive you, you don't know. And the truth is the Bible doesn't say, you know, if you think they'll receive you, go to them. No, it says go to them. Number four, tell him his fault. Tell him in humility. Letting him know you're not perfect either, okay? Tell him in humility. Number five, between him and you alone, okay? Between him and you alone. And then, wow, number, all right, let me go to the, uh, we tempt the listener. We tempt listeners to take up an offense if we don't go to that person and we, send, we destroy the sincerity of our approach to him. In other words, don't tell 15 people and then go. Go first. That's what the word says. Go first to them. Proverbs 25 verse 9 says this. Debate your case with your neighbor and do not disclose the secret to another. All right? Don't tell your other neighbor on the other side how bad that neighbor did or what they did to you. Okay? Now, the most important reason to go to the offender first is to check out the facts. You go to them. They may, they may have a different understanding of what happened. And you uh, get to then understand where they're coming from so that relationship, which is most important of all, can be restored. If he hears you, you've gained your brother, okay? But if he will not hear, take with you one or two or more, every word will be established. Then you go to church leadership, not to expose, but to enlist their help to restore. People should pray and fast for the person. You know what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15? I don't have it on the screen, but let me read it to you. But speaking the truth in what? Love. Speak the truth in love may grow up in all things unto Christ who is, or unto him who is the head of Christ. Speaking the truth in love. If you are in relationship, let's deviate a little bit from somebody sinning against you. If you know people and they're falling into sin, should you just ignore it? No, if you have a relationship with them, you are scripturally bound. To, number one, pray for that person. Uh, literally, I mean, God, give me direction on how to go to that person. And most likely, God's going to prompt you by the Spirit to go to that person. And you go in brokenness and humility. And you tell them, brother, I I'm just concerned. Friend, I'm just concerned. Some of the things I see in your life is... Uh, you're getting off track. You're, you're starting to do this and this. Brother, 
I mean, there go I, but by the grace of God. But I love you, and I'm concerned about you. Wow. Um, recently, I was sitting over there on a Sunday morning, and I thought of someone that I knew, and their spouse comes to this church, and all of a sudden, I felt such deep emotion for this person. And it happened that night, and, you know, life has gone on, but um, I don't think I even told my wife what happened. Maybe I did, snippet. But I was like, oh, my God, I, I almost started crying sitting over there for this person. They're appears to, they appear to not be serving God and uh, need God to touch and bring them back to Christ. So on the way home, I pulled over in the golf course that's over there on the way home, pulled over in the parking lot, called him up, and even as I was talking to him and telling him about what God did and said to my heart, I just emotion, got emotional all over again. I didn't know if he was going to say to me, why are you telling me this? I didn't know how he was going to react, but he reacted like I hoped he was going to react. And what I thought he would react, he reacted with sincere appreciation because I believe he knew that he knew that he knew that God was speaking to him. Listen, you and I may be rejected. You and I... um, may um, try to reach someone and they may totally turn against us. Um, Rejection is a hard pill to swallow. Nobody likes to be rejected. Nobody. Um, When I was a college student working, um, paper airplane, all right. So when I was walking, or working, not walking, but I was working and I went to collect bills Uh, I was ending the paper route, Tampa Tribune paper route in Lakeland. And there was a note from the previous person who had the route. Do not go to this person's house. Now, they didn't go into a lot of explanation, and they should have. So, I need to collect all the money that's due me so the next guy would start off fresh. So, I went to this guy's house. I'm a child of God. I'm called into the ministry. And I went to his house, and I knocked on his screen door, and an older man came to the door and asked me what I wanted. And I told him I wanted money. And he said, I don't remember what he said, actually, but I mean, he began to... His words were like daggers. He was mean. He was crotchety. He was not saved. If he was, he wasn't assembly of God. And so, I mean, he was mean and vicious, and he hurt me. I'm just a tender young man from the farm. You don't talk to people like that. And I turned around, stunned, walked most of the way down that driveway, And I thought to myself, I had a great idea. I thought if I tell him I'm studying for the ministry, he would say, oh, why didn't you tell me? I didn't know you were going to be a preacher. Oh, my goodness, forgive me. I turn around. 
I go back for the second dose. And I walk up there and I said, sir, would you talk to me like, like that if you knew I was studying for the ministry? And no sooner had I got it out of my mouth that it went to another level. And so he just began. I was in shock. Yeah, he stunned me. Um, yeah, he needed Christ. Um, I should, what I really should have done is gone out halfway down his driveway and just bowed my hands and prayed for him. But when you're crying for yourself, it's, uh, you know, you're just, I was caught up in me. At that moment, he could go to hell as far as I was concerned. And, uh, and I really had that emotional level of, <laughs> but uh, you soon get over it. You forgive people like that. And you go on with life. Well, we better hurry up here because we got to take pictures and eat. All right? So, not you, but us, all right, that are getting to be members. Okay. What will happen when Christians follow Matthew 18? Number one, gossip and slander will cease or greatly decrease if we are committed to giving only good reports. This is a challenge. I know it is. As a pastor, I struggle because there are certain things I, as a pastor, I have to know or we think we need to know. Um, but I've had people in this church before in the past. It's been a long time, thank God. But there have been people that have said, well, everybody knows. And I'm like, no, they don't. No, they don't. And while I'm saying it, I'm hoping not everybody knows, sorry. <laughs> And, and, of course, they don't, but they get that feeling, and that's what the devil says to people. If somebody doesn't go to them right away, but they sense it's spreading, they think everybody knows. Gossip and slander will cease or decrease if we're committed to giving only good reports. Number two, loyalty will build security among the church or in the church, and even physical health <laughs> will improve, the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 15, 30. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and a good report makes the bones healthy. Wow. Words are so important that God at times had to shut people's mouths. Um, couldn't let them talk. I'll just give you a quick snippet of a story. Of course, you know it. The walls of Jericho. And all the people. We're supposed to march around every day for what? Seven days? And on the seventh day, they were to march around seven times. And at the end of the march, they were to shout. But for seven days, they had to keep their mouth shut. God says, I can't trust them. Somebody's going to say something. Somebody's going to say, why are we doing this? I don't understand this. This doesn't make any sense. How many times have we been around this building now? Somebody is going to be like, what do y'all think? Y'all think we should be walking around this building? And doubt and all kinds of things enter in. But they kept their mouths shut. They did not cancel out the miracle that God had planned by their mouth. And when finally, on the seventh time, and Aaron said, 
shout. I mean, they were ready to open their mouth. And they shouted out so loud, and God caused the walls to come tumbling down. How many miracles have walked away because we didn't keep our mouth shut? I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thanks for joining with us in our pursuit of getting closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.